parentheses because he's given a personal testimony by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so I think uh, uh, Pastor Thompson years ago uh, preached one of the most profound messages I've ever heard on the issue of the King James Bible. And he, t- he talked about the written word and the living word, and they're the same thing. And that's really good, really good, good stuff, good thought. So anyways, uh, there's, a, there's a need, uh, no doubt about it. So uh, we're going to have to take a few, uh, a few sessions here and just go through. Uh, primarily, uh, I'm going to, if, if you uh, are in any kind of position where you're teaching, preaching, um, uh, you know, a discipleship, um, if you, and if, and it's ever come, you've got to help people uh, understand what they're holding in their hands is the Word of God. And, uh, and, and to be able to do that, I think the greatest way to do that is right from the Scriptures itself. Romans chapter 10, verse number 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I, my prayer is that, uh, and it has been continually, that, uh, that God would truly move upon the hearts of people with His Holy Spirit so that when they are convicted and convinced that they have the Word of God, hell and uh, all hell couldn't shake them from it. And so that's only going to come from the Word of God. Uh, even Paul said, he said, I, he said, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech. He said, uh, he said uh, nor uh, with the wisdom of men. He said, but, uh, but in the power of the Spirit. So in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're relying on the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and minds to this. So we're just going to go through just a few things right through the Scriptures, what the Bible says about itself, the greatest argument for the Word of God is the Word of God itself. Uh, you know, um, anything that God has done, He has His mark uh, uh, unarguably upon it, no doubt. And so we'll just look at a few things. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, just start with First Peter with me. We're going to flip through some Scriptures. Um, I've got these things written down in note form. If, uh, I could make them available if it would be helpful to you. But uh, let's just look what the Bible says about itself, because that's really where we need to start. Uh, what the Bible says about itself. Because either God told the truth, well, he did tell the truth. Now, some might think he lied, but I don't, and I don't think you do either. Uh, so First uh, Peter chapter 1. Uh, this, this is, this is uh, all this is uh, really uh, uh, nothing new, nothing deep. But, boy, is it important. I told my wife, I said, if I were to hang myself on the stage and hang there and die, I could not show how important this issue is. <laughs> that, would not be, that would not scratch the surface of how important this is. I'm not going to do that. Stop smiling. And thank you for not amening. <laughs> that would have been a little bit off. I'd have had to think about you, you know. All right. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Isn't that something? Being born again. I got a letter in the mail a while ago that said that uh, was accused, accusing us of being born againites. I'm pretty sure that's how you would. I'm just hooked on phonics, so that's how I pronounce it, born againites. I said, well, so I went ahead and read the letter, you know, and I said, well, you know, all you talk about is being born again, born again, and the Bible didn't talk about being born again. I mean, Jesus said, except a man be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of heaven. That's, that sounds like it talks about it to me, you know. So I'm a born againite. I, I don't know, I, I tell you, that beats the pants off of being whatever they might be, you know, going to hell tonight. I don't know what it is, but I'm a born again night, and I'm fine about that. Being born again, how? Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. And so the Bible says, look, if you are born again today, you are born again because of the work and the word of the word of God. Without the word of God, there is no salvation. There's none. There's none available. There's no hope. I mean, what a waste of time, energy, effort, dollars this would be if we could not be born again. I mean, we're among the biggest fools on the planet. And no matter how confusing or how intellectual somebody can make an argument, they cannot 
They cannot take away the power of the Holy Spirit of God that works in your heart. When you hear the Word of God, you read the Word of God, and God moves upon you, you cannot deny that that is true. Because you're born again. What does born again mean? It means you put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and He, according to the promise of the Father, put the Spirit of God within you, and now you know. Now you can understand. Now you can see, and you cannot deny that He is real. And He says, you are born again because I have given you my word. Uh, well, I think uh, Psalm chapter 19 is really neat. Most are uh, familiar with it. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. And so you always, you always tell people, look, you just look. Look at what God made. You know, I mean, it's an amazing, I mean, it's amazing. Look at creation. Do you know nobody will ever be born again by looking at creation? And he, and, he, and he goes through the next six verses explaining what, the, what creation will do and how to bring somebody's conscience to a point of, of, of understanding there has to be a God. But verse number 7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Without the word of God, there'll be no salvation. Thank God we have it. We have it. And so the first point would be uh, pretty simple. We're born again by the word of God. And so if we don't have, we're in big trouble. Matthew chapter 4, let's just cruise through here and look at a few of these. Matthew chapter 4. This is another portion of Scripture. A lot of interesting things in here, but we're just going to cut right to it. Um, Jesus was led, up, led of the Spirit up into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. Uh, by the way, the devil always come after you when you're tired and hungry. <laughs> and uh, he, I mean, seriously, he, he's, he's in for the long game. He'll wait. He'll wait till you've been out of your Bible for a while and out of prayer and goofing around, and, and then he'll come. It wasn't Jesus, <laughs> but as a lot of us. When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Verse number 4. But he answered and said, Can we read it together? It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I mean, that's the word of God. God says, You know how you're going to live? You're going to live by every word that I have provided for you. Uh, Curtis Hudson years ago said, how are we going to live by every word if we don't have every word? I mean, that's a logical, scriptural argument that, needs, that, that would require an answer. Somebody says, well, I don't believe we have the word of God. Yeah. How are we living? Yeah, what, by what instruction? I mean, God's word, got, he's, he's got instruction for every area of life, for everything we do, and uh, all of it. We were to live by, by the word of God. By the way, that is convicting. Uh, in its, uh, rather than just the fact that it's, if we don't have the word of God, we can't follow this uh, instruction. But we do have it. So man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Let's look at a, a couple more. Psalm 119. There will be a couple of them in there we'll look at. Psalm 119. So, so far we're born again by the word of God. We live by the word of God. Psalm 119. Whole entire chapter is about the Word of God. Let's just look at a couple things specific. 105. It's a good Sunday school verse. Every, every, every child should learn this verse. Every adult should learn it. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, Psalm 119, 105, and a light unto my path. What does that mean? We are guided by the Word of God. We're going to go through this world. We're going to go through life by the Word of God. You come up to an answer, a question in your life. You come up into a juncture. You don't know what to do. We go to the Word of God for wisdom. We go to the Word of God for instruction in, in how we live. We are guided by the Word of God all the way through. If we don't have the Word of God, we're walking in the dark. There is no lamp and there is no light. 
We're, it's, we're in darkness. Without the Word of God, we're in utter darkness. And there are multitude of scriptures on that. While we're in Psalm 119, let's look at another one. I'm moving quickly here. Um, and I'm, I'm fine with that as long as it doesn't uh, get confusing. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. Uh, again, I think these verses are good. I, I, I learned these uh, pretty early in my uh, Christian life. I was probably 21, 22 uh, in my adult Christian life when I, when I learned these verses. Boy, I thought they were interesting. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Uh, isn't that something? We look at the world today. I mean, how are they going to cleanse their way? Uh, you know, how, how are you going to keep your way clean? How are you going to keep yourself out of sin? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And so here's how, here's how we're kept from sin by the word of God. We're kept from sin. If we don't have the Word of God, you could guarantee you'll be sinning. How are you going to know if you're not? I mean, if you have the Holy Spirit within you, He'll convict you and He'll chase you. There's no doubt about that. But uh, it'd be one thing to be constantly being chastised. It'd be quite another to get a little heads up ahead of time. <laughs> right? God's always, He's always told up front exactly what's going on. and what, He's always given instruction. He's always given instruction first. And it's always, it's always been the, 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 the earmark of the wise to heed, to hear and to heed what God has said. But if we don't have it, then we're just, we're, we're just waiting for the next chastisement because we don't know what to do. And so we're born again by the Word of God, uh, and that's clear in the Scriptures. We, uh, are, we live by the Word of God. We are um, guided by the Word of God. And here we're kept from sinning by the Word of God. I mean, it's all the way through. Let's check out another one, Ephesians chapter 6. We'll go back to the New Testament for the rest of these. Ephesians chapter 6. This is just God's argument. If we don't have the Word of God, we're in big trouble. There's no doubt about that. Ephesians is probably the, is probably the most pivotal books in the New Testament. It's in, every, in almost every way. But Ephesians chapter 6, the, the, we get to the armor of God. We get near the end of the passage where he's, he's listing out this armor that, that God has given us, he's equipped us with, so that we can fight a good fight, so that we can stand in an evil day. Uh, verse number 17 says, and, and uh, this is at the end of it, it says, Take the helmet of salvation, uh, which I believe is, is hope, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so here he says, here, here's how we fight. We fight by the Word of God. If we don't have the Word of God, we're not fighting. We're not going to be able to fight. We're not going to be able to stand. Uh, you wonder why so many churches are closing today. You know, so many uh, preachers are falling and so many churches are crumbling. They can't pay the bills. They can't get anything done. Do they just close up? Because they, don't have, they departed from the Word of God. They don't have the power to fight. They don't have the power to stand. I mean, how are you going to stand when the devil starts tempting you? How are you going to stand? You're going to stand by the Word of God. Jesus himself did that. It is written. That's what he said. And how are you going to stand when you get tempted? How are you going to know? When some, and, and some temptations aren't just, I mean, the far out, you know, let's just go uh, throw off a day's work and get a, a keg of booze and go out to the lake. I mean, that, I mean, come on, seriously. I mean, sometimes they're much more subtle, and, and the, the, the devil's much more subtle, he's, and he's much more crafty. And how are you going to be able to see through all that? How are we going to see? How are we going to see clearly how to avoid that error? It's not intellectual. It's got to be spiritual. And it can only be spiritual when it's the Word of God. If we don't have the Word of God, we cannot fight. We cannot stand. But well, let me just give a little commercial. It's one thing to have it in your hand. 
It's one thing to say, I have the Word of God. I know it's the Word of God. It's quite another to get it handy, <laughs> get to know it and, and be able to use it. And then we're relying on the Holy Spirit to help us to remember it. But, you know, because Jesus even said the Holy Spirit would bring to remembrance whatsoever things he said. But I, I'm, I'm convinced that he cannot bring to remembrance what has not been put in. You know, I mean, the Pentecostals will say, well, don't worry about it. You know, the Holy Spirit just, woo. I don't woo anybody, you know. He leads, he guides in the truth. And the Word of God is truth. So Ephesians 6, 17. So we fight by the Word of God. Let's look at another one, John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Again, I mean, this is, this is just a simple introductory um, call it an argument. Argument always sounds bad, but you know, an argument is not an argument. You're just making a case. This is God making his own case. John chapter 4. This is a conversation that Jesus is having with the woman at the well, which is profound in itself because she was the, fir- she was the first person to recognize that Jesus truly was the Messiah. <laughs> she said, when Messiah cometh, he's going to tell us all things. And Jesus said, if you can receive it, I had to speak unto thee and he. And she received it. She went and told her else about it. They didn't receive it as much as she did, but they, she, she got it. It's amazing. This is what he tells her. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Look at this. See, what is God looking for? For the Father seeketh such to worship him. And if you are a child of God, do you know, you know what God would, would desire? Worship. Worship. And, uh, just, and, 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 that's, and, and it could be in so many different forms, but the fellowship, the communion, uh, thanking him, uh, honoring him, living your life, and the praising him, uh, serving him, these types of things. That's what he desires. Look at the next verse. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Um, let, me, let me just, uh, just expand, or just, it, just, just for a moment off of this. Um, and realize maybe the importance of this. As soon as he says that God is a spirit, he takes the possibility of us ever figuring out how to worship him off the table. He can't do it. Now, if I'm a man and I'm going to throw a, um, uh, maybe a birthday party for a friend and he's another man, I have a pretty good idea what men like. You know, I'm, I mean, we're not going to be dressed in Barbie dolls, I can tell you that. Right? I mean, we're, we're not going to be doing that, you know. It's not going to happen. Uh, there's a lot of things we're not going to do. And I, pre- I think I could put together a pretty good one. So if you want, hey, if you want to have a birthday party and you're kind of busting down, because just drop the hint and I'll throw you one. We'll have a good time at it. We'll have a, we'll, I'll put together a neat thing. We'll, we will not eat healthy food. None. No healthy food. Promise you that. So because I know I, I have a pretty good idea what men like. Now, if, I, if, if, if I'm going to throw a woman a birthday party, well, let my wife do that. She knows what they like to. And so anyways, you know, you don't know. We don't know uh, God. We can't know him except he reveal himself to us. I mean, you know, and so the Bible says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 12, What man knoweth the things of the spirit of man except the spirit of man which is in him? So if you look at the person sitting beside you right now, let's do it real quick, and then look back. All right, that's good, that's quick. All right, now, there's no possible way, God says there's no possible way you know what that person's thinking. Now, you might know them well enough that you could guess, 
but there's no possible way that you can know everything they're thinking. How do I know that? How can I be so bold to say that? Because God said it first. I'm just repeating what he said, and I'm agreeing with him. You couldn't know what's in another person's heart and mind. You could, just can't know it. He says, neither could you know the things of God except the Spirit of God reveal him. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. The importance of the Spirit of God. This is why religion has gone absolutely nuts. When you see all kinds of ways that people are worshiping God, and, they're, and I'm not questioning their sincerity. I don't, Cornelius was, sort, was uh, sincere, but he was on his way to hell. Thank God that, uh, that Peter uh, humbled himself and obeyed the Holy Spirit of God and went. He struggled with it, by the way, because Cornelius was a Gentile. Peter still hadn't got on board with the Gentiles being born again. It's amazing. He was struggling with that. Can you imagine that? He really was. It's in there. So um, at any rate, uh, the, the sincerity is not the question. It's just look at what they're doing. I mean, there are people, even if you just look at scriptural examples, I mean, the things that they were doing uh, in, in what they would call worshiping God. I mean, and, and if you ever read about, and I'm sure many of you have, and some of you I'm sure have taught about it, and, and maybe even more so than I have, the Valley of Hinnom. And so what a, what a disaster. They had built an idol, um, and it was it, it, it's standing up, and, and it, the arms are outstretched. And they would light fires underneath it, and then they would sacrifice their children on that, and they thought that that was pleasing to God. As a matter of fact, Israel was doing that at the very same time Habakkuk was arguing with God about how wicked the Chaldeans were. God said, I'm going to judge you and I'm going to bring them Chaldeans down to do it. And he's like, man, those wicked Chaldeans. At the very same time that Israel was down in the valley of Hinnom sacrificing their babies to that God. Because they thought somehow that that would work. All these, all these crazy things that people have done and they've done it in order to honor God. All of it is because of an absence of the knowledge of God because of a departure from the word of God. God is a spirit. He does desire true worship. He desires true worship. And by the way, if you're, his Holy Spirit's in you, you desire to give it to him. It's a joy. It's a pleasure. But you realize we couldn't do it if he didn't tell us how. Have you ever dropped any hints about if you're going to buy somebody something, you drop some hints, you know? You know, well... Hey, by the way, what's your favorite color? <laughs> you know, something like that, you know? Maybe you want to get something that pleases them. You ever stand in the card aisle, you know, to buy a, buy a, a greeting card and you read more, you know, read more than what you needed to read just trying to find that one that describes the person that you're trying to buy the card for? How many of you know what I'm talking about? None of the men. <laughs> I only heard about this from my wife, okay? I've never done <laughs> it. one of the man thing. <laughs> just say, I forgot. Uh, no, but anyways, uh, so you're, you're trying to identify with what that person likes. I mean, if, 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 you, if, if somebody, you know, for instance, if I did throw somebody a birthday party, and, and since I like, the, we just do all what I like, and they're just like, I don't even like any of those things. So whose birthday party is it? And so we go to church, or, 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 or even in our home, in our private life, and, and we worship the Lord based on what we think, based on what we want. Is it worship? It's not true worship. And God desires true worship. And if we're able to, if we're going to worship Him in truth, we're going to have to have the truth. And that's what he's offering to us. And so it's very important. We can't worship the Lord. And that's one of the, I mean, one of the premier things in the Christian life. I mean, worship the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. And, uh, and it's taken away from many who do not have the word of God to know how to do it. Uh, John chapter 17. Let's look at another one. 
John chapter 17. So this is just, 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 a, just a simple trip through the Word of God, just to say, what does God say about His Word? Does He ever say that I'm going to inspire my Word, but I'm going to let it loose and uh, see, if, see if it could just uh, survive the massive attacks of the devil and all the corrupt uh, minds of men through history? God said, I'm just going to take my hand off it and let it go. He never says He did that. He never says He did that. Uh, so John chapter 17, verse number 17, sanctify them through Thy truth, thy word is truth. And so a declarative statement, thy word is truth. Somebody says, what is truth? God says, my word is truth. The word of God is truth. But here, look at what, it, look at what it'll do for us. Sanctify them through thy truth. Now, the word sanctify is used two different ways in the New Testament. One type, what time, one type of sanctification actually describes our second birth. Uh, in, in, in this instance, it means so we are abiding in death. We're born in Trespasses and sins, and ye who, uh, uh, he, and you had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So we're born dead, spiritually dead. When we're born again, we're made spiritually alive. Uh, in John chapter four and verse uh, uh, chapter five, verse twenty-nine, it says, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that has sent me hath everlasting life, and is passed from death unto life." And so the Bible will describe that as sanctification. Sanctification, justification, uh, sometimes used interchangeably. That's one form of sanctification. The other form of sanctification is that part of the growing in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so uh, when we're born again, we receive the Holy Spirit of God and we begin to learn the things of God. And that's a, that's a, that's a fun journey. Get yourself around some good Christian people and, uh, and enjoy learning, uh, especially uh, young men, young women. Get around some of these, uh, some of these uh, men and women that have been around for a little while. Uh, spend some time with them. Uh, just, just, just learn from them. Watch how they handle their marriages. Watch how they raise their children. Watch how they respond uh, to, to those in their life. It is just a blessing. You can learn so much from God's people. But at any rate, the, the greatest amount of growth you'll ever experience and the most sure chance you have of being everything that God designs and desires you to be is your sensitivity and your yielding to the Holy Spirit of God and learning this book. <laughs> because the Word of God will bring that sanctification, that change. Uh, so uh, the Bible says um, that by beholding, uh, the Bible says in th- that we are, by, as, be- as, uh, as we behold as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, we're changed into the same image. That's called sanctification. We're being changed. If we don't have the Word of God, we can't change. We cannot grow. Uh, we're, 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 just, we're done. <laughs> I mean, Peter, what a great example. I mean, it's amazing how God does things. Everything he does is amazing, but sometimes we actually see it. <laughs> But uh, Peter, who hard-hearted, heady, high-minded, all these kind of things, I mean, the guy was amazing in his, uh, I mean, he was like all, he was like, he was like just a rugged old, old school, learn everything by the school hard knocks. That's what Peter was. Jesus, the first time he met him, said, I know who you are. You're Simon, son of Barjona. I know you. Everybody else knows you. But when I'm done with you, thou shalt be called Cephas. And so, and he said, this is what you're going to be when I'm, I know what you are now, but when I'm done with you, this is what you're going to be. And this heady, hard, high-minded Peter, by the end of his life, the last words that God ever gave him to write were, hey, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. That's a change. 
That's a change, right? And so there's no change without the Word of God. There's no change. Uh, remember whenever Jesus preached a pretty hard message, John chapter 6, it starts out, he's talking about the bread of heaven, and then he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And they're just like, whoo, people are like, we're out. <laughs> okay, we're out of here. And, uh, and so the disciples are standing there like, I don't know, should we go, should we stay? <laughs> While they were thinking, <laughs> Jesus turned around and said, will you go away also? Boy, I tell you, it's good, to be, it's good to be in the presence of the Lord. It's hard to walk away from him when he's looking at you in the face. Mm, where are we going to go? <laughs> Thou hast the words of life. Boy, if we depart from the words of life, we're gone. And there's no way you can lose your salvation. Thank God for that. But you know what? It angers and hurts when so many people have enjoyed the new life in Christ, being born again, and they know heaven's their home. And they are so careless with their lives. They are so careless with this book. They are guaranteeing that their children are going to miss heaven by a long way. You're a special kind of person. You know that? But that's the power of the devil and the power of the flesh that we cannot overcome in our own strength. We've got to have the word of God. It's so important. Let me just say on a little bit lighter side, it's not that hard. We have the Holy Spirit. God, just yield yourself and just, you know, if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. That's okay. People just always say, well, if you don't do something, even if it's wrong, don't do that. That's, that's not good. <laughs> you know, right? Something stuck in a lawnmower. Well, put your hand up there and get it, bless God. No, don't. <laughs> don't, seriously. Sitting at the traffic light and it's all foggy and, well, just sit there and go. Well, just wait. Just wait. Wait till you know. This is where we get our instruction. This is when you know when you're ready to go, when it's been made clear. You know, God's never in a hurry. He's never in a hurry, so don't, don't get in a hurry. If somebody says, hey, I got, I, I, got a, I got an offer you can't refuse, but I need to know right now. Nope. I just refused it. <laughs> Why? Because I can't, I can't make that kind of a decision. You, can't, you just can't. We need, we need that sanctification growth. We need that wisdom. And sometimes it is good to go to somebody else. I mean, God does give uh, pastors and teachers. He does give brothers and sisters in Christ. And I mean, uh, uh, what was the young man's name? Apollos. And that guy could preach. I mean, the Bible said he was mighty eloquent. He was a powerful preacher. And I mean, all I can see is, is old Aquila and Priscilla uh, in, uh, in, in Corinth one of these nights after revival, a revival meeting going on. And, and, uh, and Apollos up there, he's just getting it done. He, I mean, I'm, I can see him going back and forth, jumping up on top of things, jumping down, spitting, yelling, screaming, preaching. Great meeting. So they're like, after the meeting, they're like, hey, can we, uh, well, let's go get a bite to eat, you know, because that's what we like to do. They sat down, and they're like, hey, Paul, man, that was a great meeting. Great, great, great preaching, man. You got it. Have you ever heard of Jesus? <laughs> it's right there in Acts chapter 18. Have you ever heard of Jesus? He's like, no, I haven't. They said, well, let us, let us tell you about him. He was preaching the baptism of John, and he was, I'm sure he was preaching it just the way it should have been preached. But the baptism of John wasn't going to save any of those people. It was faith in Jesus Christ. And it was other believers that came along and said, let us, let us show you the word of God that you've not seen. It's that we're sanctified by the word of God. Powerful. We need it. All right, the last one. Last one, John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And uh, verses... Uh, We'll start in verse 46. Jesus is speaking. I am come a light 
into the world. That whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. That's not really a command, so to speak. So if you're like, I'm abiding in Jesus Christ, I need to run out of the darkness. When you're abiding in Jesus Christ, you are no longer in the darkness. It's a reality more than it's a command. You know, we are light in Jesus Christ now. So it's not saying he's not, I don't know, you know, I mean, you can take it however you want, but I think the a very encouraging foundational thought would be once you come to Jesus Christ, you believe in Jesus Christ, you are no longer in darkness. Verse 47, if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Look at this. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken the same shall judge him in the last day. Isn't that something? You want to know what would be, and I'm sure it's discouraging. There's a lot of people that get hung up on this. You know what would be extremely discouraging? To come to the realization you are going to be judged by the word of God. And then have somebody convince you that you don't even have it available to you. I mean, some of us are still raising children at home, not me, thank God. I love them. I love them now, more now. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> right? I mean, ain't it great when the kids grow up and move out? Oh, come on. You're still, your kids are still here. That's why you're just... Oh, yeah, as young parents, we go to pay the bills, and you've you got the stack of money here. It wasn't really a stack, but you've got the money here, you got the bills here, and it was a stack. You go to you go you, you grab another bill and you look at it you go and the, the money's already gone and you still got bills that's reality they're worth it I'm not saying they're not worth it but after they're gone the same scenario you get to the end of the bills you still got some money uh, you you will the first couple times look behind the desk did I drop one <laughs> no they left <laughs> they stopped eating everything. Leaving everything on. You go to your children's house after they move out, it's all dark. Hey, can I turn the light on? Nope. <laughs> all right. We'll just sit here in the dark. Can I get a cold water out of the fridge? Nope, tap's good. It became good all of a sudden. One of the things about raising the children, is seriously, is uh, it's very discouraging. Proverbs starts out just this way, um, you know, and it, 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 and it really commands the children to hear the instruction of the parent. You know, years ago I thought, boy, I want my children to hear the instruction. But you know, they could not hear something that they're not given. You know how discouraging it is for some of these young hearts to be constantly judged for doing wrong, but nobody ever sits down and gives them clear instruction. They don't give them clear instruction. So they don't really know what to expect. You ever, you ever realize how unreasonable that is? Now, let's, let's take this to the same realm as the context of the Scriptures. God says, I'm, I'm going to judge the world by my word. And if he did not preserve it for us, what kind of a cruel act would that be? I'll tell you, first of all, it would be very inconsistent with anything else he's ever done. He did not do it, and he would not do it. And it's up to the Holy Spirit of God to convince us that everything he said in this book is absolutely true. 
All right? And so just a couple things right down through the list. We're born again by the Word of God. We live by the Word of God. We're guided by the Word of God. We're kept from sin by the Word of God. We fight by the Word of God. We're sanctified by the Word of God. We worship by the Word of God. And someday we'll be judged by the Word of God. We have the Word of God. We've got it. And if we don't have it, we got, we've got bigger problems. Guaranteed. And so that's it. Father, we do pray that you'd help us. Lord, just looking.